Jonathan Bolding. Thank you for leading us in worship today. Amen. I know a little bit about the story of the singers here on the platform. So when they sing about God being a deliverer and a rock, I know just a little bit about some of what they've been going through. And that what they're singing about is real to them because God has truly been a deliverer and a rock. And this morning, uh, I got news just before I came up where one of our young people needs to know the power of God's deliverance and his power to heal. Um, I was told that young Elijah Robinson, the youngest child of Clifton and Shanika, was taken by ambulance to the hospital this morning. Um, he wasn't feeling well. I'm not sure if he fainted, but uh, they took him to the hospital. So uh, you know what we are about to do, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what we're about to do. So I'm going to ask my wife to come up and pray. And then, Kay, since you're back in town from Haiti, I want a testimony from you, all right? So get ready. You knew I was going to call. So I'm going to ask my wife to pray for Elijah. Would you grab someone's hand in solidarity as we pray? We're going to pray for Elijah as our own child. Okay. We're one body. Oh God. Mm. You are our rock. You are our deliverer. I go. In you, God, we do Bye, put our trust. Mama. It's not just a saying on the back of our money, and God we trust. It's something that we mean right Bye, now. Lord, in the name of Jesus. For your son Elijah. God, I pray for this child as if he were my own. Our hearts ache with Shanika. Our hearts ache with Clifton. Lord, to have a child taken by ambulance, God. But Lord, I want to thank you that he is a mother who is a nurse. God, because that means that she recognized some symptoms, Lord, maybe before some of us who don't have that medical background would have seen. And so, God, in that we give you thanks. We thank you, God, that she was here with him. We thank you, God, that he is cared for in our children's ministry. And however they were alerted to this need, God, we want to thank you. Lord, we even thank you that a black child could be taken by ambulance, God, because we know there was a day that even that wouldn't have happened. So we thank you for that, God. And God, we ask that he would receive excellent medical care in the, name of Jesus. in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, right now for stabilization of whatever yes, symptoms he God. has, Lord. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus, God, all of our doctors and nurses, Lord, in this body, Lord, we thank you for how you use medicine to administer your healing, God. We know the stories in your word, Jesus, that you could speak healing to people you weren't even in their midst. You could speak it and they were healed, God. We don't know if that's your will, God, or if your will is to use medicine and needles and doctors and x-rays, God. Lord, we don't know what's wrong with your son, but we thank you, God, that you do. Lord, you see every part of his body because you created him. And so, Lord, we rest, Lord, in your care, God. And so we ask that you would be a deliverer, God. Your word says that you are refuge my and strength, Lord, that you Lord. are ever present in yes. time of trouble, God. So we ask that you would be present with our family right now, God. 
that you would hold this child in your arms, God, that you would shower him with your peace and with your healing power, Lord. We pray that he would wake up. Lord, he's a vibrant and energetic little boy, God. We pray that that energy would be returned to his body. Oh, God, we lift up your son to you, Lord. Would you cover his mother and father with your peace, Lord? And I thank you, God, that Strong Tower is going to cover this family. Yes. That there, there will not be any My needs God. they have that will not be met, God. We pray for older brother and older sister, God. We know that this family loves each other well. And I pray that you would, Lord, we don't, we don't forget them. We pray that you would cover them with your peace as well. In the name of Jesus, Lord, it's our joy and privilege to join them right now. We know, God, and expect that you will do a miracle, that you will raise him up. And we look forward in faith to the good report that we will hear in the name of Jesus. Thank you for Loretta and for all of our responders here, for all of the team that handled it, Lord, so that we did not even know what was going on outside our door, Lord. Thank you, God, for all of those who care well in this body. And we bless you and we praise you in advance in the name of Jesus. Done. Come on, Kay. I need a quick testimony. Kay is back from Haiti. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. Two weeks ago, I had the audacity to write on my prayer card that victory belongs to Jesus, and I sent that text out to my team that was going to Haiti with me. Um, some of you know the following that day, Satan just started working. He started working, and he spent a week just beating us down and just really um, questioning if that was true. But last Sunday, uh, about, oh, I don't know, 4 or 5 o'clock, I sat in a building in our school in Haiti, and about 100 children came from the surrounding community, not all our students, but they just kind of piled in, and they sang songs of praise and at one point they got up and they sang there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain and every time we sing that song here my heart goes to Haiti because there are so many chains there's poverty or there's corruption this week I was reminded of the strong presence of voodoo in that country and yet there is power in the name of Jesus. And just watching those chains. He's doing something there that I don't even know what's going on. I just stand back and look, and people are like, okay, it's so amazing what you're doing. And I'm like, uh-uh, I don't even know. It's so much bigger than me. And the thing that also impressed me this week was I took a team. I didn't even know most of the people, but high school students, college students, moms of four or five kids, you know, all walks of life, all socioeconomic and to watch them just put aside everything and just serve. I know there's been, I hear sometimes rumblings against short-term missions, and I look at that and I say, I'm sorry, how can you, how can it be wrong for these people to give up their money, to give up their time, to come alongside and serve? And so I just, I would love, we're going back in May, anybody wants to join us, like I said, to come and see something that God's doing mm -hmm. that is so much bigger than any of us. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. We're turning your Bibles to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. We'll be in this psalm for the next four weeks, all the way up to Resurrection Sunday. As we sing today about Jesus being our cornerstone, this is the psalm where 
that originated from. So on Resurrection Sunday, we will celebrate that he is our rock and he is our cornerstone on which our lives are built and held together because he is the resurrected one who defeated death. Hallelujah. Psalm 118, beginning at verse 1. And the Bible reads, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Does anybody see that exclamation point behind good? That it's okay to exclaim, to get excited about the goodness of the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. I think I have a title for this text today, and it's entitled, His Mercy Endures forever. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that we can assemble in your name as your people, that you know each of us by name. You gave us your spirit that we might know you. We were dead in trespasses and in sins, but you made us alive in Christ Jesus. And if anyone be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Thank you for the new life that you've given us. Thank you for new mercies that you give us, not only in the morning, but throughout the day, every day. You're a good God. Lord, would you help me to do justice to this text as I attempt to preach it? Thank you that I'm not by myself. Your spirit is with me. You've given me the gift of communication. Lord, I pray that today I can stay true to your word. And, and as the old preacher would say, hide me behind the cross that your people might see you. Give your people ears to hear what the spirit is saying to them and what you're saying to this church. And give us the ability, the desire to live out what we hear. May we not just be hearers today, but may we be doers in the power of your spirit. Thank you for the Bible, for the word of God. Thank you that we have a record of your dealings with your people. And you show us how we're to live our lives today in 2018 because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. For it's in Jesus' name, that I pray. Amen. Amen. In a few weeks, Elder Bob is going to lead us through the Passover Seder. And it's going to teach us many of the traditions that the Jewish people would partake in as they would remember what the Lord did for them in delivering them from Egyptian bondage. And how after they came out of Egypt, after 400 years of enslavement, they were told to remember this event by celebrating it annually because it was the blood of the lamb smeared on the doorposts that saved them from the death angel and broke the back of Egyptian oppression that had held them down. 
And so annually, they were to remember from whence God brought them from and where he was taking them to. So on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, which happened to be Passover, he had taken bread and he broke it. And he had taken wine and he drank it. And he told the disciples, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Because in just a few hours, he, the Lamb of God, would shed his blood on the cross. He would be broken for them, just as the Lamb would be broken and ultimately slaughtered to cover and protect the people of Israel. Jesus was saying, I am the fulfillment of the Passover Lamb. And the Bible says, after they had eaten the bread and drank from the cup, and Jesus let them know this is now a new covenant. You had been practicing the old covenant for centuries. Now this is a new covenant for as often as you do this, you're doing this in remembrance of me, the Passover lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And then the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 26 verse 30, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And so they left the upper room, Jesus and his 11 disciples, because Judas had already decided to betray the Lord at that table after Jesus had washed his feet. He gets up because Satan fills him. And the Bible says he leaves out of the upper room and the other guys have no idea that Judas is betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. They think because he's handled the money, he's going to go handle some business. And Jesus said, what you're doing, go and do quickly. And the Bible says in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 30, that when Judas went out, it was night. So they were celebrating the Passover at night. Jesus would go and pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. He would be arrested there. And then early that morning, not only would he be tried, he would be crucified on Friday morning. But I want you to see what Matthew says. Being Hebrew men, Jewish men, they followed the traditions of their fathers and they sang a hymn. And sometimes I wonder, what was the hymn they sang before they departed and went out to the mountain? Of olives. Because whatever that song was, it must have been a powerful song. And I'm here to let you know that I believe I know what song it was they sang. It was Psalm 118. It was Psalm 118. Psalm 118 is the last song or psalm that Jesus sang. And when I think about the last words of this psalm or song, they are the same as the first words of this song or psalm. And those words are, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So Psalm 118 
is the last song Jesus sings before he goes to Calvary to bear our sins on his body. Psalm 118 is the last song Jesus sings, and verse 29 is the last verse of the last song he sings before he goes into his darkest hour. And what is it that he's singing? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. So if Jesus can have a thankful spirit as he goes out in the night in a dark season to bear our sins on his body, to be betrayed by Judas, denied by his disciples, beaten, slapped, spat upon, cursed, nailed, all of those things. And God chose the last song that he's to sing. And the last verse is, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And if Jesus can have a song of thanks on his lips while going through his dark season to die on the cross, I think I can learn something from my Savior and have a song of thanks on my lips while I go through my dark season and carry my itty-bitty cross. Because your attitude determines your altitude. And one thing we should never let the world or the devil take away from us is our praise and our thanksgiving, especially when we're going through. All right, I know what you're asking. All right, Pastor, you weren't there, so how do you know this was the song Jesus sang? Because I don't want to pick up a brick and throw it at you, bro. How do you know? Well, according to tradition, Psalm 113 to Psalm 118 is known as the Egyptian Hallel. And the Jews, when they would practice the Seder, when they would worship God at their Passover meal, they would sing these songs. I know when you read Psalms, you just think that these are just poetic writings. There's so much more than poetic writings. These are lyrics to songs. And they would sing these songs in their rich Hebrew language. And according to their tradition, the Egyptian Hillel speaks of their deliverance out of Egypt. So these songs, these psalms were sang every Passover. Psalm 113 to Psalm 114 were sung before the meal. So if you have time this week, uh, uh, read those psalms in the Egyptian Hillel. They would sing Psalm 113 and 114 before the meal. And after the meal, they would sing Psalm 115, 116, 117, and 118. So that's how I know what Jesus sang, because being Jewish, he sang the songs before the meal, and he sang the songs after the meal. And the last song of the Egyptian Hillel is Psalm 118. And the last verse of Psalm 118 is, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. So I know what you're saying, Pastor, now, now, now. That, that seems super spiritual to me. That just seems like, now, 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 he's about to be betrayed, denied, even forsaken by his father. And you mean to tell me, He's singing psalms of thanks. Yes, I am. I'm telling you that. Because watch this, people of God. Within Psalm 118, you have the meat 
of real life issues. You see, uh, uh, Psalm 118, verse 1 and verse 29 are like two pieces of bread on the outside of the sandwich. The psalm starts the same way that it ends, giving thanks to God and acknowledging his goodness and his mercy. Within those two pieces of white bread, you got your mayonnaise, your onions, excuse me, Lord, you got your meat all up in there. Because although it starts and ends with thanks, it's dealing with the nasty here and now because the word distress is found right in the next verse, verse 5. Distress. And within Psalm 118, you find other words like the words, they surrounded me. In other words, they ambushed me. Growing up in Baltimore, we would call it, we would bank somebody. We would gang up on somebody. The psalm writer went on to say, not only is there distress and they surrounded me, he says, they pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. He also talks about being chastened by the Lord. He talks about being rejected by the Lord. In this psalm, you see the words death. And so in the midst of thanksgiving, in the middle of it, we have the nasty hearing now of what we go through in this life. And here's what Psalm 18 is teaching us. As much as we're called to bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in our mouths, we do not deny the pains of life. We do not deny life circumstances where Jesus even said, in this life you will suffer tribulation. But he didn't leave it there. He said, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Your suffering is one thing, but your Savior is something else. So the pain is real. We're not so super spiritual. We gloss over pain. But we are spiritual enough not to make pain our focus. Because some of us, when we go through, we don't start our day with thanks. We don't end our day with thanks. We start our day with cussing, we end our day with fussing because of all that we're going through as far as distress and pain and hurt and being rejected by folks. And God is saying, I'm trying to teach you that I'm walking with you through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm trying to teach you that I am the lily that's in the valley and don't you let any circumstance or any person or any cross Take your thanksgiving away from me. Because if you stop being thankful, the devil wins. If you stop giving God glory for who he is, the devil wins. And if you're tempted to not think that God is good and that God cares and that God knows and that God is present, because it's hard to believe all that stuff and have a nasty attitude, but if you can say, I know he cares, I know he's present, I know he's aware, I know he loves me, I don't like how it feels, I don't like what I'm going through, but I know that not only is he with me, but he is good and his mercy endures forever. So I'm not going to let a cross or a hard day take my joy because Psalm 118 doesn't deny the pain. It just doesn't focus on the pain. And so when we're going through, do not let your pain become your signature. Do not let your pain become your identity. 
But the Bible says in the New Testament, in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So you should always be able to say, thank you, Lord. Even though I don't like what it is doing or how it feels, I'm always going to say thank you because nothing comes into my life unless it first filters through your sovereign hands of grace. Because if I just think these things are happening to me, now what I'm doing is I'm trusting in circumstance and happenstance and not the God of providence. It ain't going to hit me unless he approves it. And if he approves it, that means I can handle it. <laughs> Better yet, we can handle it. So I'm going to say, though you slay me, yet I'm going to trust you. Jesus sang this psalm, and he sang the last verse of this psalm. Psalm 118 gives us two reasons to thank God. Very simple, but very profound. Thank him for two reasons. Number one, he is good. And number two, his mercy endures forever. Oh, we can thank him for those two reasons. He's good, and his mercy endures forever. When the Bible says that God is good, that means by nature, by his essence, he is goodness. Uh, some would like us to think that God is a tyrant or that God is angry or that God is even bad. But the psalm writer says, no, God in his essence and in his nature is good. He is inherently good. He possesses and displays moral virtue. And I love it when Jewel leads us in that song, he's a good God. And we respond, he's a good God. He's a great God. So we proclaim and exclaim who God is while we're going through what we're going through. So God is good. Reminds me of the story in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 19 when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he calls him good teacher. And Jesus said to him, no one is good except for God. He says, God alone is good. Well, some folk try to jump in and say, wait a minute, Jesus is saying that he's not good because the man says good teacher, and then Jesus says only God is good. Well, if we just read along in the passage and look at the whole counsel of God, we know that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He's the second member of the triune Godhead. He's the eternal son of God. He may have been born in Bethlehem, but he is the God who never had a beginning. He is the eternal God. And so when he says to this young man, only God is good, what he's trying to say to this young man who's really just trying to uh, 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 do one up on Jesus, and, and he's leading with a, a little uh, uh, compliment before he comes with his questions about the law and all of that. Jesus sees right through that shallow, fake stuff. And he says, now listen now, if you're going to call me a good teacher and only God is good, you need to check yourself because if you're going to call me good, are you willing to call me God? You better check yourself, young homie. So only God is good. Man is inherently evil. Cheer up. You're a sinner. Cheer up. You're broken. Cheer up, you fall short. Cheer up. You need.
need grace. I need grace. We need a good God because we're bad people. I don't care who you are. And that young man thought he kept the law. And Jesus said, oh, you, you think you kept the law, huh? Perfectly. Go sell everything you got, then come follow me. Homeboy walked away sad because he had a lot of stuff, which meant that he broke the first commandment of having something before God called his money. And sometimes the hardest people to reach are people who don't think that they've sinned. I like talking to some lost people that know they're out there in them streets, know they're doing wrong. It's easier to introduce the grace of Jesus to them because they already know, yeah, I messed up, brother, from the flow up. I I'm toe up, bro. But it's them religious folk. <laughs> but I'll chase that rabbit another day. So Jesus says, God alone is good. And worshipers, we praise God for being good, not just for him doing good things. Let me help you a little bit. Some of us only want to worship him when he does good things. But a true worshiper will worship him because he is good whether or not he does good things or not. You are good and I worship you. I don't worship you to get what's in your hand. I worship you because of who you are. I thank you for what's in your hand. I appreciate what's in your hand, but I'm not coming after you for what's in your hand. I'm coming after you because you bid me to come and I love you for who you are. I worship you for who you are. Man, I would take trips every now and then going out of the uh, country or going to Haiti or going to other places around the country, and I would fly out. And while I was gone, when my kids were younger, they would always ask me to bring them something back. Dad, can you bring us something in the airport? Dad, can you pick up a souvenir? Mainly they wanted candy or a toy or something. And so I would stop at the, you know, the, the, the store and pick up something for them, and I'd come back. And when I would be picked up by Darina, She'd be happy to see me. She'd hug me, kiss me, and all that. But when I would see my kids, yeah, they'd be happy to see me. But they were more concerned with what was in my hand. Dad, what did you bring us? It almost got to the point where I was thinking, you only love what was in my hand. You don't care much about a brother. So if I don't bring something, you might not love on me. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to bring no gifts for them, and let's see what happened. They didn't come out and greet me. They didn't come hug me. That's here. Oh, yeah. But some people do God like that. If he doesn't have something in his hand, I don't want him. <laughs> do you want him for him? And, and the good thing is he's a good father. He always gives good gifts to his children. But don't get it twisted. Don't worship the gifts. Worship God. But also, another level of worship is when we praise God for being good, even when things are bad. Now, now that's when we are growing as worshipers, when we don't feel like there's much to thank him for. But Job teaches us, after he lost his children and lost his money, he said... The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So when Satan went, goes back up to heaven to talk to God about Job, God says to Satan, did you see how my boy responded in that test? Everything had been taken from him. You thought he only worshipped me because of the hedge around him. 
but he worships me in spirit and in truth because he loves me. And so that's where God wants to grow us all, where we worship him because he is good even when things are bad or even when he doesn't have the gifts we want in his hand. God, you are good. You are good. You are good. And you are good all the time. And all the time, you are good. But then the psalm writer says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. What else about him? His mercy endures forever. Oh, Lord, help us. The word mercy is the Hebrew word chesed. And it means loving kindness. It means tender mercies. That God is merciful towards sinful people. God is tender. He is kind towards sinful people who even see him as their, as our enemy. God has loving kindness. He has pity. He has forbearance towards sinners. And if grace is God giving us what we don't deserve, mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. I deserve a whipping. I deserve hell. I deserve death. I deserve eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But because he's merciful, He's not going to give me the punishment that I deserve because grace says I'm going to give you what you need and what you can't earn. And I'm going to send my son Jesus to take your punishment on the cross. He's going to die in your place. That's mercy. So when we say, oh, Lord, have mercy, he's already like, hey, look, look, I'm rich in mercy. I'm merciful. I'm going to give you mercy because although you're saved, you still sin. Although you're my child, you still need mercy. Oh, my God. I love how in Luke 18, 13, when the sinner and the tax collector, excuse me, the tax collector and the Pharisee are praying in the temple. The Pharisee does all his thing. But the tax collector can't even lift up his head to heaven. He puts his head down and he beats his chest. And he said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Technically in the Greek, it reads, Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. Like Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. Because if I spend too, my, too much time comparing my sin to other folks' sin, I'm going to minimize uh, 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 the nastiness of my own junk. But if I do like Isaiah, I look at the Lord and I look at myself, I say, whoa, it's me, I'm undone. It's my mouth that's raggedy. I'm fussing and cussing at folk. I know I ain't sniffing cocaine or smoking marijuana, but man, my mouth is messed up. Because when you see God, you see yourself. But that's why you also got to see his mercy. Have mercy on me. And the Bible says that the sinful man went home justified. He is a merciful God. So mercy is something that sinners receive. And that's good news. But mercy is also that sinners dispense. We not only receive it from God. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't give me what my sins deserve. But now I'm going to dispense this mercy to somebody else who needs to see God operating through me. So I could drop the hammer on you, but I'm going to pull back and I give you what you deserve. I'm going to have mercy on you. 
and the quickest dispensers of mercy to other sinful humans should be sinners who recognize their need to receive mercy from God. Because you've been merciful to me, I can be merciful to somebody else. But when we're not merciful to other people, and I'm not saying you excuse sin. But I'm saying we're not to judge people, put them down, condemn them, cast them out because of their sin. Because what if God did that to us? I'm going to relay to them what I've received from God. So don't try to receive it from God if you're not relaying it to other folk. God forgives you of all your stuff, but then I can't forgive this person for what they did to me. God is saying the, the relay chain is now messed up. Because what you have freely received, you are to freely give. So you forgive your enemies. You forgive those who spitefully use you and abuse you and talk about you. Doesn't mean you trust them. Doesn't mean you hang out with them. You forgive them. You release them. You give them mercy for your own sake. Because God gives you mercy every day. Who am I to judge somebody else? I'm going to be a dispenser of some mercy. But not only that, as I close... Not only do I receive mercy and dispense it, I got to proclaim mercy. I got to let the world know that the God I serve is a merciful God towards sinners. How do you know? Because I'm a sinner that he's redeemed. That's why the songwriter said, let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. Let Israel, who's Israel? That's the 12 tribes. Who's Israel? Those are the peculiar people, a chosen generation. Those are the ones who heard the word that came through Moses. Those are the ones who got the covenants. Those are the ones who received the Messiah coming through them. So let Israel now say, the men, the women, the children of Israel, let them all now say his mercy endures forever. Why? Because he didn't have to choose us to begin with. (laughs) But since he did choose me, I'm going to let my mouth praise him. Thank you, Lord. Your mercy endures forever. But then the songwriter says, now, now we got another call and response. Because as the songwriter will say, let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. He expected all the 12 tribes to say his mercy endures forever. So now this is a liturgy. This is a psalm out of the Hebrew hymn book. Then the song leader would say, let the house of Aaron now say. His mercy endures forever. So all the Levites, all the priests, all the singers, the ones who should already be praising God, were just encouraged all the more in the assembly of the saints to bless him. So this is Moses and Aaron and all of the priests and Levites. I'm here to let you know there's nothing more powerful than seeing men lift up holy hands to God. There's nothing more powerful for a son like Cam to see a daddy like Tramel worship God in the beauty of his holiness in the sanctuary, in public, and at home, in private. It has an effect on the children when they see the people, the preachers, the pastors, the prophets lift up hands to God and proclaim that his mercy endures forever. But in some places I've gone, The last person to give God some praise, the last one to say anything uh, exclamatory or to be demonstrative is the preacher. I would go to churches and you wouldn't even see the preacher until it was time for him to preach. He'd be in the back while praise and worship was going on. 
black church, Baptist church I grew up in. And then when they get into the song, right before the sermon, here he come walking in. Coming out the back from somewhere. So the people don't ever see the pastor praising God. But yet the pastor, when everybody get hype and do backflips when he preach. Oh, that's something else, y'all. Come on, black church culture, y'all know what I'm talking about. I determined that when I became a pastor, I wouldn't do a grand entrance like that. I determined when I became a pastor that I would sit not on the stage, but in the audience with the people of God because God is on the stage. And not that I'm doing it for my son, but I want my son to be able to look over out the corner of his eye as he's worshiping El Shaddai to say, man, my daddy, the pastor, the preacher, the prophet, he worships God. Because if he can humble himself before the presence of God, I can do the same. We can teach our children. So let the house of Aaron, all the preachers say, his mercy endures forever. But then he says, uh, just in case we missed anybody, let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. Who's that? Contextually, that's Gentiles. That's people who aren't Jewish. They're being invited to the assembly to worship the God of the nations. And God is saying yes to the Jew first, but also to the Gentile. So Jews, let's start this off. Y'all should lead the way. Let the house of Israel say, let the house of Aaron say, and now let those who fear the Lord now say. And here's the thing, what are you saying right now? Because what you say now, what you now say, has a lot of power on how your day is going to go. Because your words set the trajectory of which you will follow behind. Uh, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And after I done did my cussing, that don't get me nowhere. But when I do my blessing, it does something to my spirit. And if Jesus could sing this song and say thank you before he went into his night season, I can say thank you, Lord. Although hell and high water is coming against me, I can still say, thank you, Lord. And when I don't know what to say, I can do like we did in this song and just say Jesus. Because his name means save me. That's what his name means. I just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm not in tune, but you're making a joyful noise, Jesus. So let everybody say, his mercy endures forever. So I need you to help me in the spirit of the old Hebrew congregation and the old Baptist church to do a call and response. You only got a few words. Don't mess it up. <laughs> Your words are his mercy endures forever. Are you ready for this? His mercy endures forever. Let's get a practice run. Let's hear it. People of Strong Tower Bible Church now say, Let all the men in the church say, Let all the sisters in the church now say, Let all the people that God woke up this morning say, Let all the people who got food to eat today say, Let the people who got indoor running water in their homes say, His mercy 
people who have a change of clothes at home now say, His mercy Let the people who have a car to drive in now say, let the redeemed of the Lord now say, let the people who love Jesus Christ now say, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Jesus sang this song on his way to the darkest hour of his earthly life. We can sing and give praise to God in the dark seasons of our lives. No, we don't like what we're going through, but I'm going to trust the one who's taken me through it. And I'm going to thank him. I'm going to bless him because he's still good when things are bad. He's still merciful, and I need mercy because I mess up. There's a bird called the nightingale. Small little bird. But it's a bird that derives its name not because it sings in the day. It does sing in the day. But most birds don't sing at night. So this particular bird sings in the day and in the night, and that's why it has the name Nightingale. And if a Nightingale is close to an urban environment with a lot of noise and traffic, a Nightingale sings louder so that the stuff in the background doesn't drown out its song. I just wonder if there are just a couple of Nightingale Christians in here that when you're going through something, at night, it won't take your song. Matter of fact, God gives you songs in the night, kind of like Paul and Silas. When they were locked up and they didn't do anything to deserve being locked up in Philippi, they not only threw them in jail, they threw them in the inner jail. But the Bible says at midnight they could be heard singing praises to God. And the prisoners around them heard them glorifying God. And I know they said, why is it that they're not letting their chains have more authority over them than their God? They must really believe that their God has authority over the chains and he's able to break every chain. So at that point, the jail started rocking. Elvis didn't come up with it first. Paul and Silas did through the help of God. That jail started rocking and shaking. The prison doors flew open and their chains fell off. Oh, because they were singing at night. They weren't complaining at night. Oh, my man Fred Hammond, I hear him in my left ear. Late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. All it takes is an instant for God to say, it's over. That's enough. God's going to turn it around. It's going to work in your favor. The jailer says, I'm going to kill myself. Paul says, don't do it. We're not running out of here. At that point, that man said, what must I do to be saved? I wasn't listening when you were preaching on the square. But I was listening when you were going through your night season. 
Because anybody can preach and sing in the daytime. Anybody can talk about God's goodness and him being there in the daytime. But a nightingale is going to sing at night. And I want to know the power of your God. Who is he? I want to know him for myself. And God's taking you through some stuff. Not because he's cruel. Not because he's trying to hurt you. But because he knows people are watching you. And they want to know, do you really believe in this God you keep inviting me to church to hear about? And when you can smile through your trials and you can walk by faith and you can wait on the Lord and you continue to give him thanks, unbelievers say, you must be drunk on something. Yeah, drunk on the Holy Spirit and the love of God. Let's stand for prayer. You're not going through it by accident. God's using your night season. But he just wants to know, are you going to be like my son and sing thanks to me even though there's distress and ambushes and pain? Father God, here we are. Thank you for your son. He's everything that we are not. So glad that he's our savior and our God. Thank you that he can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows about our pain because he's been here. Yet he endured the cross, despising all of the shame. And he's sitting down at the right hand of God because of the joy that was set before him. The joy of the Lord is my strength. God, we're tired of giving our problems more authority than you. We're tired of letting the storm have more authority than the God who allowed the storm. But today we heard the truth and the truth is setting us free. And the, the, what we're going to do is give you thanks no matter what. Thank you, God. Now bless your people as they go. Give them a wonderful day. We continue to pray for Elijah and his family. And we thank you, Lord, that he's in good hands. And we're in those same hands. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Hug about five people. You can't leave till you hug somebody. Baptism Sunday next week. If you would like to be baptized, call the church office. Let us know. Baptism next week.